Hello, everyone. Hello to the Hammerheads. It is another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham, and I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis, as always, of the Free Beacon and the Sub Beacon podcast, which you can find on Patreon. How's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am fine. So yesterday I had to pick up my uh, son at a track meet. So he's doing track and field. He at least he did not finish. He did the 1600 meter. He did not finish last. I said, how'd you do? He goes, well, I wasn't last. There you go. That's good. But then he was talking about he goes, oh, I don't know. Maybe I was like six minutes or something for the mile. I don't think I've ever run six minutes for the mile. Like some other kid is like five minutes. You know, like the guy at front is five. These people are working, running so fast. And what's crazy is. I'm there yesterday. I'm looking at these kids. These are middle schoolers, right? And some of them already look jacked. Yeah. At like eighth grade. And like, okay, I used to like, okay, I'm not competing against high schoolers, but I figured I could still beat some of these eighth graders out, you know, but I don't know now. I, I think it's That's kind a of a smile. It is. I think unless he's completely wrong on it, unless he's complete, maybe he meant eight. I don't know. But he said that the guy was really, really fast in their group. And I saw some of them and it is, you know, there's the relays and the, the baton. I like to think I could do baton. Yeah. <laughs> because it's fun. I don't know. But you're going to be the baton or. I don't know. I mean, look, I, you can, again, if we had the video, you could see me. I have my arm stretched out. That's I mean, what your, I would. Your form is already excellent. That's it. And then, and then you just run, right? You just get, you have to do it. And then I think what they do is that they got to start timing it where they're allowed to start running a little bit. I don't know how it works. It's interesting. But then when I'm watching these, you know, they all have all this energy, right? And they're running around. Did you ever watch like these events and you feel like you want to just jump out onto the field or the court and stop playing like I can do this? Oh, heck yeah. No, my brain will tell me that I'm an an athlete par excellence when I'm watching (laughs) other athletes. I'm like, I can totally do that. I get fired up, especially live, right? Live. You're like, I could get on the court right now or I can get on that track. Give me the, I'm not saying the, 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 uh, the 1600, give me the 400 meter, right? Like let's say one lap. Yeah. One lap. 100 or 800 was what I did. I did track for a very brief time. I was going to ask. I, I wasn't sure I, if I did track. I wish I had done it for longer. The problem was in my very low income school district, the track was made of straight up cement. Like oh, that's, <laughs> it was, yeah. it that's was, there was dangerous. no bounce there. Yeah, and exactly. I always had uh, shin splints. I had shin splints playing basketball. Ooh. That's why I quit yeah. playing basketball and track on a, on a cement track just was not sustainable for me which is too bad because i think i i think i was pretty fast and could have been decent at something like a 400 or an 800 but yeah it was i could see you being very athletic like like you know allison stokey right she was the track <laughs> I was star just, i was just fast the the ham family is faster than and it's like the only skill i had like I, i'd play lacrosse and soccer and i'd be like yeah i don't i don't really like have any ball handling skills or anything but i'm fast that's the in fact, oh, it actually, I, yeah. it did me dirty one time in middle school. <laughs> I was, I was playing a middle school basketball game and this is like the, the best humble brag ever. I was playing a middle school basketball game and there was a, a woman, the most exciting of sports. And <laughs> there was a woman on the other team uh, who was very tall. We called her Michelle Jordan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, God, yes. And she was just just scoring like crazy. Right. Yeah. And my coach decides because I am sort of deceptively fast that <laughs> I should run to the other end of the court and stand in front of Michelle and take the charge. Wow. And get her out of the game because, you know, we found a lot. We're middle school yeah, girls. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you're not yeah. careful with your shots. So, so I did so. And I took like three or four charges. You were that guy. 
at the end of the court and it was painful. I bet because you got to, first of all, in order for it to count as a charge, you have to plant, you make sure that you're firmly planted. Stand, yes. And then, and then, and then fall backwards like, ow, I can't believe he put, she pushed me down. (laughs) No, but it it was, I was not faking. And then on the last one, when I fell, there was a group, when she fouled out, there was a group of people, her, her aunts and uncles and cousins and family standing over at me, yelling me, yelling at me for, for having taken her out of the game. So, Yeah, it worked, but that's a dangerous plan. Yeah, it's not always nice to be fast. Vilified. Now, I, I I remember years ago for a friend's wedding, I ended up with two other college buddies of mine. We were walking down Santa Monica, you know, near the pier, and you walked by, well, what was what is Muscle Beach, famous Muscle Beach, and you know what they had there? They had those Olympic rings, and it goes all the way down in a row. And I see some guy doing it. Obviously, the guy's very fit. He's doing his thing. And I stood there and I stopped for a while thinking, because you know, it's free. Anybody can use it. Go up there. People are walking. Lots of people are up and down that boardwalk. I thought, I think I could do this. I think I can. You're like, so like, so it's like yeah. Tarzan. You just swing from one. I think oh, it's yeah, it's easy, easy. I think that's how it works. And at the very last second, I stopped myself. I said, there's a possibility I can really make an ass out of myself. So, yeah. so this I is did it. that kind of thing. I have memories of doing when I was the child and it's so it, it's so breezy you so, just, yeah oh, let me go wait, wait, wait. have you ever tried that I've never done it but I when I was it. when I was a kid yes but like now I don't know if I've done it in my I've done a little bit on the you know on a kid's yeah, playground yeah. with my kids and I as soon as that shoulder pulls straight oh like, yeah oh, then oh, you're that done feels that's yeah. a lot more weight yeah yeah than I remember I also once in a CrossFit class they were like we're gonna climb the rope and I was like <laughs> I kill it climbing the rope. I'm so good at this. Um, then, I used to climb it with no feet. I'm, right, I'm so awesome. Right. Pure at this. arm strength. Um, I was eight and I weighed 55 pounds. So <laughs> now the story Slightly. is different. So I I struggled. I did make it to the top of that rope, but I struggled. Right. Uh, That's so, yeah, another one. I, I, I imagine you forget. No, you forget about how much weight like I'm carrying. You know, it's you're just sticking your arms. You can do this. So other than that, how are you and how I want, what I want to know is how is your big birthday fondue dinner? Oh, it was good. I got to I got to tell you though, the, the melting pot was not fully staffed in this post pandemic era. Oh, sure. You, there was a lot of melting. There was a lot of melting going on. Yes. Which is, it's fine because the melting pot is in a, it's an event. You're, you're doing an activity here, man. I would eat like just four courses of the cheese. Just give me. Nothing but cheese. You mean without even the bread? You're not you're just gonna yeah, go straight actually, yes, like I melted do. cheese from like a you're a spoon and just spoon yourself that you just mean that. No, it would be great, but um, but no, it was fine. So we <laughs> for a while. <laughs> we hung out for a while. My my husband surprised me by having a few friends show up oh, at the restaurant. So that was fun. That's a nice uh, surprise. I like a surprise. Yes. And um, and we enjoyed our we enjoyed our meal. The, the kids kind of crapped on us a, a little bit into the meal because it was getting late. It was getting well, past their bedtime. Oh, yeah. And I was like, but girls, there's chocolate coming. And they immediately perked back up. I was uh, going to say, did they like it in general? It was just slow. They did. They were just, they were just tired. No, I don't like, blame them. You know, they have an early bedtime. We, yeah. we you know, we run yeah. this, we run a tight ship around here. Yeah. That's so right. I'm uh, used to that. <laughs> so this spring, all these spring break shenanigans, it was tiring for them, uh, but we had a nice time. They made me a little dash that said birthday girl that was like which you wore into yes it was adorably melting pot 
perfectly adorably poorly constructed. Still very sweet. <laughs> I wore that. You probably and, got, did you get Did you get a free birthday sheet you know what? Cake or something? We didn't really do Antics. We didn't really do the thing where you're like, hey, it's her birthday. We didn't do that. And actually forgot to sing to me. But we had a nice time. Good. I did at the uh, end of the meal, I was like, oh, we didn't sing. We'll have to do that tomorrow. I gotta I gotta get that in this week. It, 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 you know, it used to be such a big deal and exciting at some point in time in your life when like the restaurant would do a big happy birthday thing. And now it's just annoying where you don't want that. You know, I mean, that happens sometimes at night at, at, at the Palm. You know, it's like, is everybody having a birthday tonight? Yeah. You know, it's, you know if, it, if it comes with free food, I'm here for it. I, <laughs> you know, the first time I heard a happy birthday, like stop everything, happy birthday. It was in the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City. Really? Like, yes, that's where I, it was like a big deal. You had to wait in the line to get to the hard rock, right? There was like a rope line and you get inside just to get like a $15 cheeseburger, which in the eighties was a big deal. But then like some, like a DJ, because they're playing music, they would stop the music and say, happy birthday. to And I said, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. <laughs> I I think I first saw it at Golden Corral. Wasn't Golden okay. Corral was the happy, happy birthday on this special day, right? Yes, every restaurant has a different version of the song, which is really interesting. So, anyway. <laughs> so no, so I had I had a good time. It was it was real throwback. You know, the last time I went to the melting pot because I have a bit of a fixation on the melting pot for these yes, sort yes, of me too. for these literally literal and figurative uh, cheesy occasions. I went in 2019, so my last birthday before the pandemic. So this was a oh, nice revisiting of yeah, the yeah. good old days. And now a word from our sponsor, The Spectator. As the longest running magazine in the world, The Spectator rejects identity politics in favor of intelligent conversation and thought. From the war in Ukraine to the ideological war in the classroom, from the rise of inflation to the rise of cancel culture, The Spectator has been dedicated to stimulating reporting and analysis since 1828, y'all. The U.S. edition of The Spectator has just newly come ashore and is bringing the high-quality writing and analysis to U.S. audiences for the first time. The Spectator also covers the best in books, travel, food, wine, and much, much more. Those are picks and my favorite things. We have a special offer for listeners of Getting Hammered. Sign up today and you'll receive three free months of the print magazine and full digital access. Plus, they're going to send you a free Spectator hat. I mean, come on, swag. Just go to spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use the offer code HAM, H-A-M, really simple to spell, spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use the offer code HAM, H-A-M. I love The Spectator because it is committed to the quality of its reasoning and writing, not to a particular political party. I also, not going to lie, love getting a nice print product in my mail. It's like a little treat. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator, plus get your free Spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Use the offer code H-A-M-HAM at checkout to redeem your offer. That's spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use the offer code HAM. Speaking of revisiting the good old days. Oh, hey, how about that? Barack Obama came back to the White House this week, the former president visiting to tout some attempts to improve the Affordable Care Act, which I was led to believe had was going to fix everything once upon a time, but apparently it did not. Spoiler alert. I already knew that. I already knew that. I knew it before the law was passed, uh, then experienced the various problems with the law. And have been called a liar many a time for pointing out the various problems with the liar, but with the law. But now we're just here. We are. We're just going to concede that. Yeah. yeah, we 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 mucked this up, guys. At any rate, it's a tax. At any rate, yeah. uh, I came back to the White House, of course, to great 
acclaim, great excitement. Yeah. And he and Kamala Harris sort of did the did a turn of the room together. <laughs> and during that, during that little turn through the room, there's a little oh, we have a little yeah. ambient audio here. They're all sort of wandering around saying hi to everybody. And President Joe Biden has been left on the outside of the fold quite obviously sort of trying to get into the mix trying to shake so awkward honestly it's it's so awkward that i wondered whether i was going to talk about it because it makes me sad yes feel bad you feel genuinely bad yeah it's not a good look and and i would say that look even if biden was at his very best obama is still going to outshine him we all know (laughs) this to me it is the duty of the more popular of the duo, considering that Biden is the president of the United States, to recognize that this is going to happen and account for it. That's just sort of like, sort of like, you know, social IQ uh, situation where you go, oh, and you know, Joe's coming with me and and bring him in and make sure you're doing that. But Kamala and and President Obama were were enjoying their time. They were basking. Joe was stuck behind outside the outside the little circle of people. It's like when you try to get into a circle of people at a dinner party and you're like, yes. clearly not quite there. <laughs> that Well, that's the thing. So it was an optics nightmare. And I think we've all been in situations like that, I think. And, you know, you have two options, right? And this is the, the first one, of course, the first video that came out was where nobody wanted to talk to Biden. And he sort of yeah. just puts his hands in the air and he's staring at a curtain. And that was sad. And said, oh, that's, that, that's, that's staring bad. Staring at a curtain. Is yeah, staring. He was just looking at, at, he was looking at a curtain. And then the second video comes out and that one is so much more awful. And, you know, it's like, it's yeah, not it's the like, kind of video I watch, watch over and over. It's just like, wow, that was really, really, it, it made me feel bad. And so- like They're, they're yeah. sort of working a rope line and he's yes. several feet behind them not on the rope line. And, but, but you can hear him actually call out for Barack Obama. He says, Barack, he says, and still nothing. And the, the problem is when you're in that position, you either have to quickly move on and hope not too many people catch it because it's kind of embarrassing, or you raise your voice loud enough to finally get his attention and you're all in. You're yeah. all in now. Everyone's knowing, I want to talk to this person and the person will eventually turn around except for in this case, it did not happen. Didn't happen. Let's see if we can hear that here. Yeah, he's saying it. No, like just, just not a, not a great look um, oh. and, and solidifies narratives about the president that the former president presumably would not like to do, but there we yeah, are. Yeah. You know, and the thing is historically, you know, presidential and vice presidential staffs do not always get along. You know, everyone likes to think they're on the same team, but not necessarily. they are technically. But then when you get down to it, certainly when, you know, if it's the if the vice president becomes president, you know, even though you're all working together, they've got their own people they want to put into into office. And this was a case with even Reagan and George H.W. Bush. And you and it was obviously with Clinton and Gore, especially at the very bitter end. But, you know, that is the case between the Obama people and the Biden. Oh yeah, and no, how I, they feel, especially many of them go on TV and are on the record as saying what you know what is happening now is Biden's fault for this, that, or the other. I remember thinking uh, that Obama was often 
you know, for all his faults, he was like, he did things in a way that sort of looked put together. Yes. And, and I always thought of him as a guy who's like setting up dominoes in one of those, one of those big yeah. reaction situations in a room. And Biden was always like walking into the room and stepping on the dominoes. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's pretty much right. That's, that's pretty much right. I think that's how he feels. But, I know, do. Yeah. The party, the party machine, including Obama, mm-hmm. all the people in that room put Biden include and Biden himself yeah. put him in that situation. Yeah. They can't be happy with that. Do you think Obama heard him and willingly chose to ignore him? Or do you think he was like so caught up in the adulation? I think that he was like, I, I think he's on the, he's on that adulation straight IV drip in that room. <laughs> it's, it's treating him well. Okay. So. He also, Obama went to a disinformation event a conference, which is not just Weird. one of his one of his old press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> he went to a conference on disinformation presented by the Atlantic and the University of Chicago Institute of Politics. David Axelrod, of course, is, is the head of that yes. uh, organization, and they're talking about disinformation. Which, again, he's at the White House talking about Obamacare, about which he disinformed. Many, many, many a time, for instance, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. That line, by the way, rated uh, the PolitiFact Lie of the Year. Yes, I was about to say that. In the year that it was delivered. Yeah, so, that's how bad it is that PolitiFact had to call them out. Yes, yeah. they, I think they originally, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, several times they said it was not a lie. And then they finally had to be like, yeah, it's a lie. Um, so I, to me, it is deeply ironic that he's at the White House doing an Obamacare event where he's sort of conceding, at least tacitly, all the things that he said were lies about Obamacare. And then he's like, let's talk about disinformation. To that point, David Axelrod, who was, uh, you know, interviewing him for part of this disinformation gathering, had tweeted last week about his issues with insurance. I've been taking Mm -hmm. a prescription for a chronic condition for years this week. I learned my insurance no longer covers it. Now the co- cost is $639 a month. How oh. can people, how many people can afford that? Your money or your life is a hell of a choice that people shouldn't have to face. I agree with Axelrod on this. There's a lot of issues at play, including all of the many, many requirements that Obamacare put onto insurance plans. And it, it results in some trade-offs, which we were told there would be none. Then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez joins in chimes in replying when I waitressed, I had to pay a hundred hundreds of dollars a month for the privilege of paying thousands in deductibles each year for ACA insurance, affordable care act insurance that didn't really cover prescriptions. It was cheaper slash the best option to just go uninsured and pray nothing happened. One reason why I support Medicare for all. So she's correct about all the parts except for Medicare for all, which I would take (laughs) in a different direction than her as the remedy. However, She's correct that it costs hundreds of dollars a month under Obamacare if you didn't have employee-based insurance for the privilege of paying some, for me, it was $13,000 in deductibles before I was covered at any decent rate. This was years after I had had individual insurance that was catastrophic and was quite reasonable and made sense to have, but Obamacare changed all that. So it's nice to see everyone acknowledging that. Despite the fact that you might be able to tell I have a bone to pick because I was called a liar for years for saying that these things were happening. Yeah. When I, I was I, correct. Yeah, I remember. And, you know, it was great for us, not great for you, 
that uh, this was happening to you first person because you were chronicling. I remember at the time your experience with, okay, we're entering the portal now. Okay. You know, I'm going to tell you what it's like in this ACA experience. I mean, and, and it's, this is, this is why, you know, they took such a shellacking, the Democrats. Because- right. You just, it just changed the situation. So you could yeah. not get a bare bones plan for a younger, mm-hmm. less at risk person. And we all had to take these giant plans, which means they cost a lot more money. And the insurance right, companies right. were trying to figure out how to deliver that product. And predictably, things did not go great. So now Medicare for all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm on, you know, I, I, I get my Dupixent, you know, medication, you know, for, for eczema, for example, right? Which is right. obviously it works because I'm, as you can see before you, I'm pristine. But as, I'm flawless. I'm flawless now. But the but without the insurance, without the insurance, they say it would cost about thirty six thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you know, and you know, it, that that's no, you can't do that. And there are millions of us, by the way. So you know, if you see the commercial, I don't know why they don't ask me. What I heard, by the way, about those commercials is that they're real patients. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for me to be asked to be the one. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> no, there there are there are there's many a problem. There's many a yeah. problem. Oh, yeah. uh, Absolutely. As, as you say, I chronicled this in real time when it was happening to me and I lost four plans and yeah. you know, the, all those promises were out the window and the, the Twitterati of the mm-hmm. left, which was still shilling for Obamacare at that time was like, this isn't really happening to you. Stop lying. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think like, what no, it, it is. I predicted it would happen. Then it happened. Now I'm telling you about it. That's what's happening. I, I think it's very much like, or what's the phrase is a parting that makes the heart grow fonder. Is that the, is that the phrase? The, the further we are from Obamacare and when that happened, we only have fond memories now based on the president coming to the white house or reminding us about, you know, what was good about it. And then we'll eventually, maybe he's hoping we'll forget about, you know, if you like your doctor, you keep your doctor. Maybe that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. No, no. Now it's just like, we're enough years departed from it that we can, we can just sort of begin the cycle again, which is like insurance companies are bad. Doc, yeah. the, the big pharma is bad, even though it's good when it makes the vaccines yeah. and all these things are bad. Definitely. We're not bad. And the legislation we made is not bad. All these other forces are what caused our legislation to be bad. So here we go down that road again. Speaking of disinformation at this oh, same boy. event. Yes. At the same event, we, and thank you. Thank you to this student at the University of Chicago for asking this question. We get a question for Ann Applebaum, a, uh, a mainstream journalist. She Washington Post, is that correct? She was, yeah, she had a column. And foreign policy mm-hmm. expert about the Hunter Biden story. So let's hear from this. This is, this is about a minute long clip, but let's hear, hear the question and then uh, what Ann Applebaum has to say about it. And David Axelrod. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm Daniel Schmidt. I'm a freshman at the University of Chicago. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, so in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? Can I just say, very well done. On yeah, the great question. The, put uh, put yeah. very civilly 
it hits all the top points. Five stars, young man. Five stars. The the, the one thing that I, I might not have um, emphasized is the poll, because then you get into the question about where the poll is done, who who does the polling, what are those numbers. But his the great thing about the phrasing is the end. What he says. What can we do? Be, what can be done to make sure that it's real as opposed to the lies that right. you you know that that you spread? But he does it in such a way that you know he sounds like he wants to know how do we make things better. Help how me. Do, how do we make sure that this doesn't That's happen? Right. And and this is key because the key to too many disinformation discussions is to ignore the disinformation that the left yes. does. And only focus on the right, which actually doesn't help us at all. Right, right. It was like, join me in this conversation. I would argue makes things worse because it's trust worse. So here here comes the answer. Biden's laptop is, I think, totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or, I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I didn't find, I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that that would be my problem with that as as a major news story. Uh, We're going to talk about more of this uh, tomorrow in our first uh, panel, so stand by. Um, And I I think we have run out of time. Super, super job, guys. Great. Uh, Oh, that's that's disappointing. It it is. uh, So she doesn't address that. She said this is disinformation and now it's not disinformation. that's, That's the thing that it was a complete dodge. She doesn't. You know, but the idea that she doesn't. And it doesn't even have to be on her specifically. The, mm-hmm. the entire industry decided yeah. not just that they would not look into a story, which is one thing. But, but suppress. Actively suppress it in the That's case the of social media. You couldn't share it. Doing it so heavy handedly. Mm-hmm. You could not share the link to a New yeah. York Post story. By the way, yeah. which was attempted to be shared by folks like Maggie Haberman at the New yeah. York Times. And they like. Other journalists could not share shut it down. this link in other tepid responses to the Biden story uh, disinformation campaign of two yeah. years from the press. We have an editorial from The Washington Post, which I do appreciate that is mm. on this subject. The Hunter Biden story is an opportunity for a reckoning. I agree. Shall we find out what the reckoning is? <laughs> I was really thinking you were going to say it's an opportunity for Republicans to pounce. On, you know, this, 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 you know, slip up. It's a minor editorial slip up. I thought that's what you're going to say. The the Washington Post, of course, has reported on the Hunter Biden story. And I'm going to, I'm going to run through a brief timeline of the Hunter Biden story in a second. This is coming after the Washington Post coverage of the Hunter Biden Mm -hmm. issues and his, his work with a, a Chinese firm. Yes. That came out last week. This week. They sort of do an explication of what happened with this story, how it was suppressed. Uh, what's more compelling, I'm just going to read it a little bit from it. Yeah. What's more compelling than the assorted accusations about the Biden's behavior is this question. Why is confirmation of a story that first surfaced in the fall of 2020 emerging only now? Mm. And the New York Post published its blockbuster exclusive on the contents of a laptop said to have been abandoned at a Delaware repair shop by Hunter Biden. It was uh, mainstream <laughs> media. Mainstream media organizations balked at running with the same narrative. Social media sites displayed even greater caution. Twitter blocked the story altogether, pointing to a policy against hacked materials and suspended the New York Post's account for sharing it. Facebook downranked the story in the algorithms that govern, govern users' news feeds for fear that it was based on misinformation. 
Now the Washington Post and the New York Times have vouched for many of the relevant communications. This series of events has prompted allegations of a cover-up or at best a double standard in the treatment of conservative and liberal politicians by mainstream media and social media sites. Yeah. Can you feel the turn coming? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Here, give it to yeah. me. Yet there was a reason in this case for reluctance on the part of the publication platforms alike. Both had been unwitting tools of a Russian influence campaign. Well, you're unwitting tools of something in, <laughs> 2000, in 2016. <laughs> and it was only prudent to suspect a similar plot lay behind the mysterious appearance of a computer stuffed with juicy documents and conveniently handed over to President Donald Trump's by President Donald Trump's toxic personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Indeed, at the time, there was also an ongoing disinformation operation from Moscow. Blah, 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 blah. A lot of modifiers in that. Yeah. Right. At the very end, we do Modif have a yeah. small concession. The lesson learned from 2016 was evidently to err on the side of setting aside questionable material in the heat of a political campaign. The lesson learned from 2020 may well be that there's also danger in suppressing accurate and relevant stories yeah and 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 that's it really packs a punch it Whoa. does but we won't know until 2024 and it really depends on how far ahead the republican or the democrat is and we'll let you know about this that's when I, the rubber meets the road that's right that's right i, I want to do something here uh, mary catherine which we we almost never do on this wonderful podcast which is what about <laughs> what if it were donnie jr's laptop you know, would, would 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 the Post and the Times and Ann Applebaum think it's not news if it was, you know, it's it's the son's business. Why? Why would we care about the son? I'm sure he has nothing to do with the father. Surely it's pristinely separate yeah. from the father. Right. Yeah. No. And the, and the, but, the, you know, the other thing is to go back to the audio from Ann is I actually genuinely believe she thinks that this is not news. It's not like, oh, I got to cover this up. No, she's way above that. And I know, I mean, like, and I know Anne, I met her. She she wrote the book on the gulag, you know, which is a very important book. Her, book, yeah. her husband, Radek Sikorsky, the former Polish foreign minister. I, I knew him. He used to work at AEI. But it's this sort of dismissive attitude that shows why, you know, why people have such low esteem for the media because. And it's not that the entire Hunter Biden story is necessarily a slam dunk and that's the that's the end of it and we have the laptop and haha joe biden you're nailed like that's not necessarily what's happening here but what what the press should do is look into whether that is the possibility right <laughs> and yeah. that is the thing that they no why why did they do this if they want to you know trying to do i think if you want to condense that editorial the question of why did they do what they did? Why is it only coming out now instead of then? I think the truth is, if they wanted to keep it short, they could have just said, because the stakes were too high. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And just to give uh, our listeners, because again, the story became so much about the censorship that I kind of lost the thread on Hunter Biden, aside from the basics of like, this guy seemed to be... Mm -hmm by all appearances from what is on this laptop mm -hmm. and his just general business dealings, making a lot of money doing things he wasn't necessarily qualified to do in a lot of foreign countries with a lot of firms in a lot of foreign countries. Yeah, question. And then according to what was on the laptop, it looked very much like either he was selling access to his father with unknown dividends mm -hmm. or selling the idea of access to his father with That's unknown right. 
dividends paid off. And so we, you know, you don't necessarily know if there's quid pro quo. You don't know exactly how these things went down or how much Joe knew. That's why you look into it. That's <laughs> that's right. And it, and things are now coming to light. This the story that this the story is, which is trying to be pushed back as a non-story about the college recommendation. You know the story I'm talking about, which is where Hunter asked his father to write a college recommendation for his business partner's son from China. Right. And that apparently you can do that even though you've never met the person. It's not like an alumni interview where you meet the person and then hopefully they'll write you a recommendation to go to their school. No, this is just calling in a favor. And the pushback uh, is, well, you know, Biden was he was a he was he was a private citizen at the time. And it's the son who has the business kneeling, not the father. So what business is it of ours, except for if you're trading on his name and also he's claiming President Biden's claiming that he never, he didn't know, he doesn't know anything about his son's business dealing. Biden's saying he didn't have any idea what was happening with his son's business dealings, which is a, again, even if he doesn't know much or he's not the prime actor, that remains a lie if Mm. you are to believe these email contents, which we are now because they are legitimized by the Washington Post and the New York Times. I've never spoken to my son about the Vice President Biden, there have been questions about the work your son has done in China and for a Ukrainian energy company when you were vice president. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. So the feds have been looking into Hunter Biden for long before the 2020 mm-hmm. campaign over some tax issues and over his the possibility of him not registering as a foreign agent when he should have. Right. Yeah. So these are the two issues that the feds were looking into. The laptop is apparently part of that investigation now, but the New York Post got a hold of it when the feds still had it as well. It got the hold of that information as well. The New York Post breaks this thing in 2020, October of 2020, saying that they got their hands on this this thing, and it shows it it sheds light on Ukrainian business deals that Hunter Biden had been involved in, making as much That's as right. eighty eighty five to ninety thousand dollars a month. A month. On, on his Burisma connection. So they publish the story. They get banned from Twitter for 19, 20 days, something like that. And now, lo and behold, since the, the Justice Department's mm-hmm. investigation is ongoing and perhaps about to break with real stuff, the New York Times on March 16th of this year comes out with its story, which like 100 paragraphs into it says, by the way. Oh, by the way. By the way, we're getting this information from the laptop that we have confirmed is real, that we told yeah. you was not real for two years. One of the things that they, they like to do, I think, is, you know, they like to ignore the story until they can't ignore it. And once it's unignorable and they have to acknowledge it, then they will say, now that we know this is it, let us take charge. We will handle this investigation yeah. and we will lead the way and shed, we will now shed the light on this thing that we originally dismissed. No, it's like the right? uh, because now they're they're the voice of authority. It's like um, the Robert Davi in uh, Die Hard coming into yeah. the oh yeah we got this guys <laughs> Special Agent Johnson. No, the other one. <laughs> We're gonna need some more FBI agents. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's like that. So then the Washington Post runs with it as well, and they get into this Chinese business dealing, which includes, by the way, <laughs> emails emails telling the. The person who owns the property in Georgetown where Hunter Biden is renting an office for his Chinese business dealings 
there's an email saying, can you get a set of keys for Joe and myself Yeah, and several other people by name? But Joe apparently knows nothing about this. In fact, I think we have a clip of Jen Psaki not responding to this. So there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden. That you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. They were not office mates. Okay. Great. So there are like now alleged Ukrainian dealings, Chinese dealings, Kazakh dealings, also with some Mexican oligarchs, possibly all, all on the laptop. All questions of like what he was selling, whether there was quid pro quo, how much he was making. Meanwhile, he's currently still selling $500,000 pieces of Hunter Biden art. Yeah. God knows what. He lives in the Hollywood Hills. You know, he he drives a fancy sports car. And keep in mind that during the child, the the child support hearings with Alexis London Roberts, uh, the woman he had the affair with and then the baby, he had stated that he couldn't pay child support because he had no money. And yet all this, yes, and yet all this is happening now. I think whatever, well, I'm getting the sense, I even, I'm getting the sense that whatever well of sympathy he had uh, on his side is now pretty much dry. Uh, And people are now just saying, well, that's just him. I I love Joe, but that's just, that's just Hunter. And he's just going to do his thing. And, and we have nothing to do it, but that he's not the president of the United States. That's what I think. But don't forget um, during the Democratic uh, National Convention, uh, the video that hunter right uh, 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 uh that hunter taped for his father and everybody was just gushing over that saying see that that's a decent so look at either the people's reactions on twitter because they were comparing it with eric and donnie and saying this this guy is so much so There's, much better there are at least he uh, showed them there are at least two occasions one an air force two trip to china and one an air force two an exchange while on Air Force Two on their way to an official visit to Mexico where mm-hmm. hunters on Air Force Two with the vice president communicating with the business people with whom he wishes to have dealings. That's a, uh, perhaps that's circumstantial, but it seems like something worth discussing to me. Maybe we'll let you know. We'll get back to you on that. How's that? <laughs> Getting hammered investigates. Hate <laughs> it. That is the that is the sort of timeline as it stands. Loosely, you we you went you said you were going to go do a big deep dive. You're going. Well, in I there. mean, I think You're my my deep dive is like ah three and a half feet or so. We're in the we're in the we're only in the like the middle deep end of the municipal pool right now because <laughs> I don't I don't want to do that to getting hammered fans because Hunter Biden did his fair share of getting hammered himself, and there's a lot of other there's a lot of other content. On the laptop, which, which you cannot unsee. Yeah. So, but those—that's sort of the basics of you know where these where these deals overlap with his dad. Why yeah. people have questions about this? Why it was legit from the beginning? Yeah. And uh, and I would appreciate from the press, and the press, by the way, would do itself so many favors if it just admitted that they really screwed this one up. Yeah. They goofed. They messed right. this one up. All right. Speaking of people with no self awareness. <laughs> We had the press and now we're on to a particular journalist who I would like to stipulate. I have no wish to bully or to uh, encourage 
yeah. attacks upon yeah. uh, because she's very sensitive. No, uh, it's a big deal. Taylor Lorenz is a journalist, a reporter on sort of the TikTok new media space. Quite a beat. You know what? Like, I actually think it's a beat worth covering. <laughs> it becomes, I mean, it, when your beat is in an internet drama, you tend to be a person who's into internet drama. So she made her bones sort of being a content cop going after sometimes to the point of almost doxing various creators. For instance, the children of Pamela Geller, who was a sort of very oh, right, particularly on the issues of Islam Middle East. Uh, and Middle East person and blogger and sort of pundit, mm-hmm. very controversial. Her daughters had a very successful Instagram venture. They had deals. They had, you know, influencers of early influencer culture. Taylor Lorenz, as a reporter, discovered that Pamela Geller was their mother and decided that that was worth sort of blowing the lid Mm -hmm. off the two young ladies who have nothing to do with their mother's political leanings and (laughs) were not doing deals through their mother. (laughs) Definitely not capitalizing on her name. Yeah, right. Exactly. Lost all of their deals once this became once this came to light mm-hmm. uh, this is a pattern of this kind of reporting is just to take one person and for instance dig up old tweets that you can find that suggests uh, she's done some reporting on mr beast who's a famous kids youtuber mm-hmm. sort of threaded together two or three tweets of his one of which was uh to to, to form the the story that he had homophobic stuff in his past mm-hmm. one of the tweets was Windows is gay, which, although not an authorized or uh, smiled upon usage of the term these days, is not exactly homophobic to complain about Microsoft in that way, right? Like, this is like sort of overblown. This is a pattern. I think about like the the back and forth between uh, Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd and 40-year-old virgin when he says, do you know how I know you're gay? Because you like Coldplay. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And that used to be funny. It's not funny anymore. These, these tweets also were from when this person sure. was a teenager, which I, I just sort of generally think if you have bad tweets when you're a teenager, the whole society should just be like, we don't, we don't get a pass. Yeah. But anyway, she, this is sort of the, the style of reporting. And when the tables are turned and someone either reports on her or people get mad at her, she tends to cry victim, which is what we saw oh. in a in a piece with NBC where she's on camera talking about attacks on her, which again, online attacks on women are a real thing. And I think I probably endure most. Oh, I know you do more than my male counterparts do. And like, I condemn this kind of behavior. However, this is such a, this is such a heel turn for this character or a turn for this character, right? Where she's like, Wrestling she's term. marshalling, yeah. she's marshalling mobs on behalf of or, or toward other people, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, wait a second, I'm I'm getting called out. Let's have a discussion about the abuse I face. Hey, nice job on that story, you soulless effing. <laughs> then also, you'll see there's these there's many people that are tweeting um, 
you know, here's, these are Taylor Lorenz's loved ones. They have everyone. photos. Wow, these are all photos of your family members. Yeah. Children. All, yeah. They'll, they'll threaten children. They'll threaten my parents. I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating and terrifying. It's horrifying. Again, her beat is basically gathering these tiny bits of information that are about other people and marshalling the worst of the internet. <laughs> I just can't believe somebody called her a soulless effing. That's why wow, I didn't think of her as even being slightly conservative, but geez, these I people are mean. This is a pattern in our society right now where yeah. we, the bullies don't know they're the bullies. Yeah. Like Taylor yeah. Lorenz with the Im imprimatur. How do you say imprimatur? Imprimatur. Imprimatur. Of the Washington Post and the New York Times yeah. going after 16 year old creators on TikTok yeah. is the one with the power, right? Yeah. It's the one That's with the power. Thing. And too often, I think journalists, when the, the things they do to private citizens, mm -hmm are done to them and then they're sort of yeah. held to the light and the kind of abuse that they bring on other people, they get real upset about that. There was also the weirdness of the the Chiron that said, you know, about how women under 35 are often cyber bullied. And then they're interviewing Taylor Lorenz, who by her now by now her own admission is at least 43. So I, that was a little bit weird. Uh, Free Beacon is doing a, a, a deep dive of its own. Yeah, because you can't she's now says she's 43, but she also later blamed MSNBC. Yes. Well, and this is also a pattern where every outlet she works for or works with, yes. she then says, well, you didn't do enough to protect me. I'd hate to work uh, with her. And again, these attacks are real. It's just that you're part of the machine that creates these attacks. That's right. And keep in mind that even her own colleagues, you know, the Times or the Post or wherever, uh, a lot of them don't like her also. Maggie Haberman, we know that, you know. Yeah, they and, had, a, had a very out and out yeah. uh, fight. But yeah, like you, you can't, you can't be the bully for extended periods of time, and then as soon as someone comes back at you, be like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Critic, and she also claims that that mere criticism of her, yeah, such as for instance this discussion, causes people to attack her and is therefore out of line, and that's just not a fair standard. Otherwise, you come off as like Rachel McAdams in uh, Mean Girls, you know, saying that she's the victim, you know. <laughs> It's Regina a, George. This is yeah. a Regina George moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was reminded of this also. I think I mentioned on the last show, Kathy Griffin yelling about how two-year-olds should mask to protect yeah. her. Yeah. And it's like, you think you're the victim and that the two-year-olds are the bullies. But in fact, it is the other way around, around, my friend. And then one more example of this phenomenon, <laughs> Dick Durbin and all of the... Uh, the Democrats in the Senate, of course, wailing about the treatment of Ketanji Brown Jackson, which some alleged was worse than what they did to Kavanaugh. Here's Dick Durbin, at least acknowledging that something might have happened in the past of which Democrats in the Senate might not be proud. Situations, each of them unique in their factual circumstances, and to generalize in terms of her position on an issue of that gravity is fundamentally unfair. But 
We've done it too on the Democratic side, and I'm going to be first to admit, as I look back in history, there are things that should have been handled better when Republican nominees were before us. And the majority of Republican senators in the Senate Judiciary Committee, led by the ranking member, Chuck Grassley, I believe were respectful and dealt with the judge in a fair manner, asked tough questions as they were expected to, but did not cross the line into personal attack. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you, Judge sir. Kavanaugh, can you tell us what boofing means? <laughs> like, like, again, I know, I know I'm belaboring this point, but... Michael Avenatti with this bonkers lady, Julie Swetnick, brought brought accusations of repeated leading of a gang rape ring in high school and in high school, I believe. Yeah. Two news sources and to the Senate. Oh, people ate that up. And they ate it up. And the Senate, for its part, Decided the Senate Judiciary Committee, every Democrat on it called for Kavanaugh to withdraw based upon the strength of that accusation. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They don't understand who the bullies are. <laughs> you guys uh, are right. killing me. Yeah. Killing me. Ugh. Let's on it. Let's on it. Let's end on a more savory note, shall we? Shall we? <laughs> Bojangles chicken, my favorite subject in the world. A Bojangles gas giveaway aims to help ease pain of soaring prices. This is awesome. Fast food chicken restaurant in Southern Staple Bojangles is helping customers ease their pain at the pump with a major gas giveaway. We want to make sure our families that frequent Bojangles can fill their tummies and fill their tanks. Bojangles Chief Brand Officer Jackie Woodward said on Fox and Herman's first Wednesday. First of all, I don't know why that's not my job. Second of all, nicely done. We thought this would be a great way to help our customers in our communities that we serve get a little bit of relief when they go to the pump after having a great meal at Bojangles. They're going to give away a million dollars in gas cards with every purchase of a 12 or 20 piece family meal. It's a win-win, isn't it? Not one million per meal. No, (laughs) yes, but it's, but it's, it's a win-win because you're getting a delicious meal and you're going to get some dollars knocked off your uh, gasoline bill. Let me ask you this because, you know, there wasn't a Bojangles near me when I grew up, and I don't think I've ever really had Bojangles. You know, we grew up with old Kentucky Fried Chicken, which was great until they removed the trans fats. And now it tastes terrible. And it used to be really amazingly, <laughs> you know, with that sort of guilty pleasure, crispy. It was amazing. And I like Popeye's. So where does it rank for you among different fried chicken chains? Not oh. restaurants, but overall the yes. chains. For me, it is number one. And we will correct that you have never eaten there. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. I will treat you guys to a Bojangles feast one of these days. When we're oh, that's um, exciting. It's fantastic. First of all, one of, the, one of the main things to say about it, it was one of the first restaurants, fast food restaurants, to offer breakfast sandwiches all day long. Okay. Oh, that's great. So yeah. if you wanted a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, oh, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit at four o'clock yeah. in 1993, you got to go to Bojangles. Okay. There's none of this 10.30 a.m. cutoff, all right? Sounds like a magical place. (laughs) So that has always been the case. They were the OG for that. The Cajun filet biscuit sandwich is Mm. a masterpiece. The chicken in general is amazing. And I would say, even if you think the chicken is comparable, which I think Bojangles is better, but the biscuits are quite obviously hands down better than Popeye's or KFC. Wow. Like very obvious. Yes. They are yeah. made of butter. Uh, 
<laughs> There's butter with just a sprinkling of dough. It just yeah. they they flake away oh. in nothingness. Oh. They melt in your mouth. Whereas when I'm at Popeyes, with respect, because I do enjoy a Popeyes every mm-hmm. now and then, um, that's like you know hard tack, man. Like <laughs> oh yes. No, hard, hard tack. I need to wash good. my biscuit down. Yeah, yeah. sweet tea. Okay, no, I, you know, you don't, you don't do need, you shouldn't feel like you have to add butter to the biscuit if it should be melting and dripping with. All right, yes. it's in. No, no, you it's definitely in. don't feel like, yeah. you need, but you yeah. could. You definitely. Yeah. Could. You know what uh, I like? I like honey on my fried chicken. That's I like that. Yeah, I like where you're going yeah. with that. Thank you. And the fixins, which is what yes, oh yes, fixins, yes. All the sides. I think are superior at Bojang. Oh. We got dirty rice. We got fry. The fries come with spice on them. It's a good. Nice. T- it's a good time. I'm, I'm getting dizzy. I'm about to pass out. But before I do, uh, I want to give a shout out, a, a call out to a listener on Twitter, 1967 Mustang Man, who says, "I think MK Hammer was thinking about Carl Budding lunch meats. Could that be it?" And he said, "To make sure that I save my money to buy lunch meat, you can see through." I don't know if you were thinking about Carl Budding or not. I don't know that name, but I'm going to look into it. Okay. If they're cheap lunch meats, this is a message from uh, Sherry Berry, which is a great name, first of all. Uh, <laughs> is that a real name? That's, you know, there's know. Sherry's Berries is a thing, by the way. It's a, that is a used to a podcast um, sponsor, Sherry's Berries. But it comes, oh, by the way, any, anyone listening in North Carolina will know this, but uh, for a long time, the elevator inspector, or not the elevator inspector, but whoever the head of the department was that does elevator inspections, her name was Cherry Berry, Sherry <laughs> Berry, C-H-E-R-I-E Berry in North Carolina. And she probably has the highest name recognition of anyone in North Carolina because it was very ostentatiously on every single elevator in the in the state. So if you mention Sherry Berry to a North Carolinian, they will know who you're talking about. <laughs> because you're standing in the elevator staring at it, right? Yes, I don't think this is the same one, <laughs> but she says, love listening to your podcast and even better at 1.25 speed. Who knew? Accidental, accidental yet now permanently set. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I... I'm going to talk slower. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please tell your friends. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Substack and Twitter. You can find me at MK, MK, I can do it, MK Hammer Time on Instagram, where you can send me messages that I can find eventually. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you, Hammerheads. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. 